You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This is the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, and I must say, it, it's a... Uh, it's fun to finally uh, be able to announce this podcast as a part of the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, shout out to Chris Spangle. Uh, this has been in the works now for a, quite a while. Um, so, you know, I'm officially excited to get things going here uh, with the uh, official, the Brian Nichols Show podcast. Uh, so, for those of you who, who have not heard me on We Are Libertarians before, uh, just a little bit about me. My name is Brian Nichols. Uh, I'm, I'm hailing from the the East Coast uh, over in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, so a little bit about me. I am currently the associate editor at the LibertarianRepublic.com, uh, which is the uh, website founded by uh, current United States senatorial candidate Austin Peterson. I've been writing there since uh, August of uh, 2016. Um, but prior to that, I have quite a bit of um, experience both in uh, local and state politics as well as some uh, national politics as well, uh, dating back to uh, 2012 officially was my, my true uh, immersion into the, the national pol uh, political scene, um, working on a congressional campaign as the, uh, the mobile field representative for a congressional candidate. Uh, prior to that, though, working on several local campaigns um, from county legislator to uh, county clerk, uh, sheriff, as well as up to uh, state assembly uh, in New York State. Um, but a little bit about what we're looking to do with this podcast here um, going forward. So the goal of this podcast is to be a weekly podcast covering uh, the week's top news through a libertarian lens and perspective. Uh, each show is going to be hosted by yours truly, Brian Nichols. Uh, with various libertarian and conservative guest hosts who will be joining us um, throughout the, the year based on their availability. Um, but also what we'll be doing is also featuring some uh, monthly interviews uh, with some noted guests within not only the libertarian movement, uh, but also the conservative movement, media, and uh, politics in general. In addition to the monthly interviews uh, and weekly programming, The Brian Nichols Show We'll also be bringing in liberal, democratic, socialists, and yes, some communist voices uh, just to discuss and debate some relevant topics in regards to recent news to bring some different uh, views and different mindsets to you, the listener, um, so we can at the very least try to have an ability to debate and learn from the other side, not necessarily in order to agree with the other side, uh, but at the very least to hear their arguments and hopefully we can walk away with a sense of understanding one another and uh, a situation where we can say we agree to disagree. Um, now each show is scheduled to be um, released on the Friday at the end of the week um, with the goal of, uh, this is the ultimate mission here, the Brian Nichols Show is for libertarians, conservatives, republicans, moderates, and, and even those on the left uh, for the goal of helping educate individuals who are actively seeking a political news program that objectively covers the week's news with the overall, and this is my, my, my main uh, goal for the Brian Nichols show is to educate, inform and enlighten. And uh, the reason I, I say that is because um, I, I've noticed too often in libertarian circles, 
uh, we seem to get caught in uh, our our own little groupthink echo chambers, uh, and, and I find that to be very concerning because I think we sometimes lose focus as to what the goal should be for us in terms uh, of what our mission is going forward. So let me um, rewind a little bit in terms of discussing um, why this podcast became what it is um, prior to to starting on uh, with uh, Chris Spangle for the We Are Libertarians Network. Um, I was hosting my own podcast over at the Libertarian Republic uh, called the Around the Republic Podcast in which we did a very similar type of um, weekly review uh, with the top events of the week. I also was able to interview some some great people, um, you know, just just to name a few. Uh, we had Cliff Maloney from uh, Young Americans for Liberty, John Ziegler from Mediite, Jason Stapleton from the Jason Stapleton Program, uh, Super Mexican from uh, Townhall.com. Um, so, really, the main thing uh, with regards to my experience, not only within uh, the confines of my my former podcast, but also with regards to um, the the network that I currently write for, the Libertarian Republic, is I find that uh, it, it seems a lot of the articles and a lot of the media that we uh, disseminate in libertarian circles tends to be read by those only within the libertarian circles. And um, when, during my time here at the uh, the Libertarian Republic, I I did focus quite a bit on uh, writing some pieces from what I like to consider to be a uh, recovering Republican um, mentality. Uh, I myself came to libertarianism around 2012, um, and and I really I've maintained my party identification as Republican, um, and I identify myself as a small L libertarian. Uh, I did vote for for Gary Johnson here in the 2016 election. And I've been very vocal in terms of helping uh, those libertarian candidates across uh, my greater Northeast area, be it uh, Dale Kearns running for United States Senate in Pennsylvania, uh, or Larry Sharp running for uh, governor of New York State as libertarian candidates. Um, but I've come to uh, to find that the best means in terms of reaching out and trying to disseminate a libertarian message is unfortunately uh, through the the platform that is the Republican Party um, because and, and I understand that this will ruffle a lot of people's feathers right away um, for this podcast but uh, just through my personal experience and, and being objective and and looking at where the Libertarian Party stands here in 2018 uh, we are the third largest uh, national party in terms of political identification um, throughout the United States uh, not counting, of course, those individuals who uh, do not identify with any political party, which would be um, a plurality of American voters. <clears throat> so with that being said, uh, we have to acknowledge the reality that the Republican Party is indeed the second largest political party in the United States. And as such, we have individuals uh, within the Republican Party and within government who do identify with the small L libertarian philosophy, be it uh, the likes of uh, former Congressman Ron Paul, current United States Senator Rand Paul, his son, um, also uh, Congressmen uh, Justin Amash of Michigan and Thomas Massey of Kentucky, respectively, uh, but also those maybe who are more in the constitutional approach, uh, be it Mike Lee uh, or uh, Ted Cruz in the United States Senate. 
Now, I'm not going to pretend that uh, you know Rand Paul or Ted Cruz uh, or Mike Lee, for that matter, represent my ideas 100%. And I, I don't think that should be uh, the goal for libertarians, is that we, we can't have these ideological purity tests. So the goal of this podcast is to reach out beyond the libertarian echo chambers, to reach out beyond those individuals that will hear our message and believe in our message to begin with. You know, I've, I've uh, recently gotten into some flack with some other uh, libertarian slash uh, liberty-minded publications, which will not be uh, named here on this podcast. Uh, but if you want to go explore the venture, please feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter at bnicholsliberty. Um, again, that's my Twitter handle at bnicholsliberty. And I'm sure you'll find the interactions that I've had, uh, you know, recently with this other uh, publication in terms of you know making cancer jokes and and trying to um, really alienate anybody that is not a 100% ideologically pure libertarian as labeling them as a communist or a socialist. And I must say, um, as as someone who myself came to libertarianism uh, about six years ago, um, if I had begun to explore libertarian ideas and, and to try and get, at the very least, engaged within the libertarian community, to then be called a, a communist or a socialist, I must say it would have been very off-putting. And thankfully, um, you know, in my ventures into libertarianism, I didn't have that happen to me personally. Um, but I see it happen too often where, uh, yes, those individuals who maybe are exploring the, um, the idea of liberty uh, and the idea of small l libertarianism, they, they start to question their own beliefs, but at the same time, they have to question our beliefs. Um, and when they're questioning our beliefs, they're met with a, with a hostile reaction, which to them is very off-putting. Now, I'm going to give an anecdote, uh, but one of my <clears throat> close friends who will be actually uh, be coming on this podcast at some point down the road, Kimberly Ross uh, from Red State, um, she, she likes to identify herself as politically homeless because of the fact that in 2016, uh, she couldn't support Donald Trump um, as a Republican, and that hurt her because she had never really come to a situation within her personal life where Donald Trump, or where the Republican Party, rather, um, was not reflecting her ideas um, so so openly and, and so uh, fragrant, uh, vagrantly going ahead and just completely ignoring what they were supposed to be representing. Um, so... After the 2016 election, to keep this this anecdote short, Kimberly began to look for alternatives, and and one area she did start to look um, was the likes of of exploring libertarianism. And one issue for Kimberly that is, and when I have her onto this podcast, it's going to be one of the main things that we focus on, is that of abortion. Uh, now, I've made my personal views on abortion on the the We Are Libertarian podcast uh, qu quite clear. I'm very pro life because I view um, the individual uh, being a human being as uh, a sentient being that when it's even if it's a fetus within the womb it will turn into a human being once it's born it's not going to turn into a tree it's not going to turn into a car it's going to be a human being and therefore it should be afforded the rights of any other human being uh, now within the libertarian circles the argument between pro-life and pro-choice 
is a very fervent one. And I uh, fell into the, the pro-life camp of libertarianism, which I, I feel is starting to have some more, um, some more strength going forward and some more momentum with the likes of a Julie Borowski um, or an Austin Peterson who really, they, they've taken the flag of, of the pro-life libertarian movement and they've made it their own. Um, but when, when Kimberly began to explore into libertarianism and actually was exploring the idea of voting for Governor Johnson, um, you know, she started to, to dip her, her foot in the water in terms of exploring um, some of the, the libertarian views and when she made her pro-life stances known, uh, she was, you know, vehemently attacked by the the pro-choice libertarians that may are maybe more vocal than some others, um, and it really turned her off. And that was disheartening for me because I know that she was politically homeless, looking for something as an alternative to what the current GOP is structured to be. So, um, again, going back to the main goal of the Brian Nichols show going forward, it is. Again, to enlighten, to educate, and to inform. Um, so with that being said, we're going to be bringing in people from all uh, political persuasions because I find it important to not only welcome in dissenting voices and voices that, you know, maybe they, they aren't 100% aligned with us ideologically, but at the very least, they're willing to, to listen and they're at the very least willing to learn. So, um, you know, going forward, I will be bringing on individuals uh, from not only what we might consider to be the establishment uh, Republican uh, right wing, uh, but also the Tea Party conservatives, the, the socialists and communist Democrats and leftists, progressivists, uh, progressives across the board, because I think it's going to be important not only for, for them to be exposed to some libertarian ideals, but also for us as libertarians, uh, or whatever political persuasion you are, to hear a different point of view that you might not be comfortable with. And to the very least, understand why it is that the, the person on the microphone from the other side of the political aisle believes what they believe. So um, with that being said, I'm hoping that this podcast going forward will be one of those podcasts that you will listen to weekly. Um, and, and because I did want to keep today's show a little short, um, I did want to dig into uh, you know one of the, the top issues of the day. And that is um, that the House of Representatives uh, voted down um, the the USA Rights Act, which was a bill um, that was pushed forward by Representative Justin Amash um, with regards to exploring uh, the authorities of the FISA Act, uh, Section 702. Um, so we'll get into this really quick. I'm going to read a very quick uh, article from uh, Reason.com from Scott Shackford, uh, basically saying uh, you know, the U.S. Rights Act pushed in the House of Representatives by uh, Justin Amash and Zoe Log Lofgren, I believe is how you say his name, of California, uh, was not adopted after a, an intense debate. The vote failed 183 to 233. The U.S. Rights Act was an attempt to fix some serious privacy problems with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which, of course, is FISA, and those authorities under Section 702. Though FISA is supposed to be used for snooping on foreign targets, it has been brought to bear against Americans and used for domestic crime cases secretly without warrants, which obviously uh, is a, a vast, 
big no-no uh, with regards to the, the Fourth Amendment violations that were taking place under that. Uh, Section 702 was set to expire at the end of 2017, and civil rights groups and privacy-minded lawmakers demanded reforms so that the FBI and National Security Administration would be required to get warrants that sounds like you know, a pretty good idea, uh, before accessing or even querying these databases for information and communications from Americans. So that's what the USA Rights Act was meant to do, and unfortunately it failed. About two-thirds of Republicans voted against the amendment, and about two-thirds of Democrats voted for it. So, as uh, Scott says here, it wasn't really a party-line vote, but the Democrats could have pushed it through uh, had they all supported it. Several ranking Democrats openly supported increasing the powers of the surveillance state, even under a, present, a president they loathe. Uh, and then in parentheses it says House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi and uh, the ranking uh, member of the uh, National Intelligence Committee, uh, Adam Schiff, both Democrats ended up voting against a mash. And, uh, you know, myself now speaking on that, I do find it absolutely, um, you know, not only ironic, but, but hypocritical for, for the Democrats to do this, because especially the likes of Nancy uh, Pelosi and Adam Schiff, because they have been two of the leading voices within the House uh, re leading this charge against Donald Trump uh, and, the, and the Russia scandal. Uh, and it just, for, just take a step back from party line vote. Why on earth would you give the president of the United States, who you believe engaged in um, you know, Russian meddling of the elections in order to subvert our democracy so he could win, why would you give him uh, basically unilateral authority uh, to to violate the Fourth Amendment rights of all Americans in the name of quote unquote security, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, in, going back to, to uh, Scott's piece here, uh, instead the House voted 256 to uh, 164 in favor of the FISA Amendments Reauthorization Act of 2017. Uh, the bill doesn't just renew Section 702 for six years, but it also codifies permission for the FBI to access and use data secretly collected by Americans for a host of criminal cases that have nothing to do with protecting America from foreign threats, which really makes you question, myself speaking here, uh, why the F in the, word, <clears throat> in the word FISA is even necessary at this point because the F is supposed to be for foreign and it's being used on us here in America. Had a little cough there. Uh, going back there, so um, <clears throat> it says the bill, uh, there had been some attempts for the bill uh, to get some warrant demands in, but as surveillance expert Marcy Wheeler has noted, the, the law was worded so that it applies only if you are a suspect of a crime. That is to say, people suspected of criminal activity have greater privacy protections under the law than those who just have their data communication snatched up en masse. Uh, the ACLU, uh, American Civil Liberties Union, uh, said they are not thrilled in a response from, God bless this name, Nima Sain Guliani, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, their policy council uh, said, quote unquote, the House voted today to give President Trump and his administration more spying powers. The government will use this bill uh, to continue warrantless intrusions into Americans' private emails, text messages, and other forms of communication. Uh, she goes on to say, no president should have this power, yet members of Congress just voted to hand it to the administration that has been labeled as uh, labeled individuals as threats based merely on their religion, nationality, or viewpoints. Uh, the Senate should reject this bill and rein in government surveillance powers to bring Section 702 in line with the Constitution. 
Uh, Scott then continues, now that the reauthorization goes to the Senate, whereas Senators Rand Paul of Kentucky and Ron Wyden of Oregon have co-sponsored, uh, mind you, Wyden is a Democrat and Rand Paul Republican, uh, a Senate version of the USA Rights Act. And they both have already treated their responses to what happened in the House today with Rand Paul stating, no American should have their, rights taken to, their right to privacy taken away, hashtag filibuster. Uh, very Trumpian uh, Rand uh, tweeted that today. Uh, and then Senator Wyden saying, if this Section 702 bill comes to the Senate, I will filibuster it, which is, uh, which we hear Scott continues to say, it's filibuster time. Clearly, Paul and the others need to try and book some time on Fox and Friends to convince uh, President Donald Trump to switch his position back to opposing domestic surveillance, which is uh, obviously a, a pretty uh, direct uh, homage to this morning's incidents, um, this morning being Thursday, where President Trump uh, tweeted seemingly directly in response to uh, Judge Napolitano on Fox and Friends, uh, where Judge Napolitano basically looked at the camera and told President Trump not to support this. Uh, Trump then tweeted out that he wasn't going to support it and that uh, I think it was like something along the lines of saying, was this the, the FISA action that was used to, to spy on me and I was running for president? Uh, and then um, just, I think it was two or three hours later, he then said, oh, well, that being said, I've gone ahead and said, we still need to, to get the bad guys. Uh, and of course, that's me paraphrasing. But uh, it is, it's interesting the fact that, um, that Trump, after like two hours or so, decided to change his views back. Uh, must be uh, you know, John Kelly to the rescue to uh, try and save that from President Trump. Um, and then, of course, going forward, uh, one of the, the, the best leaders of liberty here in the uh, the House, Justin Amash, uh, tweeted his response to the amendment's failure, stating, uh, thank you to the 183 Republicans and Democrats uh, who voted yes on the Amash-Lofgren USA Rights Amendment. We fell short today, but a large growing coalition is standing up for the American people. We will never stop defending the Fourth Amendment, our Constitution, and all our rights. And uh, well said uh, to, to Justin Amash there, because I think one important thing that we seem to forget is, is that you know individuals like Justin Amash and individuals like Rand Paul, though they don't necessarily reflect um, you know pure 100% libertarian ideology, they're making moves and, and they are drawing attention uh, to these these issues that libertarians do in fact hold near and dear. Um, and, and right there on Justin Amash's tweet, we fell short today, but a large growing coalition is standing up for the American people. That's huge um, because now this is no no shade at, at the Libertarian Party, uh, the National Libertarian Party, but we have no elected officials in Congress or in the Senate who are Libertarian Party members. Uh, and that's just reality. So instead of going for this ideological purity, saying we need to you know, only support Libertarian candidates, we got guys like Justin Amash and, and Rand Paul who are on the battle lines right now pushing for uh, libertarian, social civil libertarian views that I don't think we would ever have a chance of, of really making some some moves if it were not for them right now doing what they're doing. Um, you know, that's where the entire hashtag stand with Rand came from, uh, was back to uh, to his initial filibusters. Uh, and and Rand Paul has, has been one of, if not the... Uh, the loudest voices for libertarian views um, in the Senate, um, 
you know, especially with his noted filibusters of not only now the uh, NSA spying, but also he did this in 2015, um, and uh, with regards to the the dronings uh, of American citizens. Um, you know, Rand Paul has been one of the leading voices in the Senate, and Justin, though he is no Ron Paul, Justin Amash has really um, he's made some leaps and bounds in terms of helping lead uh, for the liberty movement. Uh, you know, actually getting some stuff done. Um, so. Uh, you know, with that being said, uh, I do want to keep this podcast today relatively short. Um, but you know, the, the the FISA Act it definitely hurts to see, uh, you know, the the act fail where it could have easily passed had, uh, you know, just one third more of the Democrats in the uh, in the House just go ahead and vote party line with their party and then the the Freedom Caucus to lead the way. Um, but alas, you know, we we now will fall back to. Uh, the likes of, of Rand Paul in the Senate, along with uh, Senator Wyden. I know Mike Lee has made a point to to say that he was actually uh, making his entire vote contingent on the fact uh, that Justin Amash's uh, revisions to uh, the NSA, um, I'm sorry, the uh, the FISA Act, which was the USA Rights Act, uh, his vote is contingent on that passing through. So I'm curious to see if maybe Mike Lee will, will start to stand with Rand Paul and uh, Senator Wyden um, with regards to, at the very least, trying to make sure um, that American uh, citizens cannot be uh, targeted uh, with th this mass collection of data to end up hurting them going down the road, uh, you know, especially uh, with regards to that information being uh, taken from... Really, when you think about it, it's just being taken at any time and can be used at any time against you without your consent, without the Fourth uh, Amendment being at all considered. Um, so, yeah, that that's going to be the, the, the FISA uh, response that I had today. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you enjoyed this conversation about FISA, I know it was very brief um, and it's a little boring with just me on, on the podcast. Totally understand that. Uh, but, you know, we are going to be going ahead and adding a lot of fun uh, guests coming to the podcast uh, to uh, to hop on, we'll we'll you know play some some uh, back and forth uh, verbal sparring, uh, just so we can you know try to get things going forward uh, in terms of exploring the option of bringing in some individuals outside of our movement uh, to to help push liberty forward. Um, you know, if, if you enjoyed today's podcast, you know, feel free uh, to to donate at Patreon, uh, which can be found in the links, um, or go ahead and follow me on uh, Twitter. Again, my tweet uh, handle is at b nichols liberty. Um, again, at b nichols liberty. And no, I'm not just that guy who had a viral tweet about pot. Um, I, I did a snarky tweet about um, you know the dangers of marijuana, and I listed off uh, the. Uh, <laughs> The, the quote-unquote dangers, which were actually um, stats that were about alcohol and uh, ended up getting like 440,000 likes. And I was a little shocked that morning when I woke up and I had you know 13,000 notifications on my phone. Um, but no, go ahead and follow me at Twitter and uh, be be sure to uh, to invite your your conservative, your your not libertarian friends, be they you know far left, far right, what have you, because we, we need those individuals to listen to this podcast the most. Um, because when it comes down to it, uh, you know I know all you fans out there, you are your individuals who are deep in the liberty movement. You're you're a hundred percent on board um, with liberty, and, and you know really you you are the the individuals out there who are you're at the front lines. You're really going for. Um, you're really the ones leading the charge uh, behind the scenes. I think that gets uh, underappreciated. Uh, 
the problem is I think we've gotten stuck sometimes within our own echo chambers, and we really need to get out there and uh, bring liberty to uh, the mainstream. Um, you know, we had a chance with Gary Johnson in 2016. Unfortunately, Gary and uh, Bill Weld were were not, in my personal opinion, the ideal candidates to to lead that forward. And uh, we had a lot of great opportunities that were lost um, during that election. And uh, you know, I've had my my personal sparring with uh, Nicholas Sarwark, the uh, chairman of the Libertarian Party. Um, you know, with how the Libertarian uh, National Committee uh, has, or rather, National Party has. Uh, performed and conducted themselves uh, in in public whether it's you know posting things about comparing the United States' freedoms to that of North Korea and implying that North Korea was more free than the United States um, or you know posting satanic verses uh, you know the week before Easter I don't think that's exactly um, very productive public relations uh, but I digress um, so with that being said uh, you know thank you for for joining me here on the the uh, the very first, the inaugural um, Brian Nichols Show podcast. I'm looking forward um, to many more podcasts to come. Again, if you like this, feel free to to share this episode. Um, feel free to donate on Patreon, and again, feel free to follow me at B Nichols Liberty, uh, both on Twitter as well as Facebook. Um, we'll be sharing articles. Um, but until then, we will talk to you next week. Have a good one.